Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days when old was spelled with an E-O-L-D-E and not just to be fancy. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here in my home office. Yeah, like I go anywhere. Uh, anyway, on this week's episode in uh, Pipe Parts, you got a big mailbag to get caught up on, and there's some refreshers in there, so we're going to go through that. Uh, my guest is uh, pipe collector and tobacco collector Fernando Santiago, who's a uh, member of uh, my uh, Saturday Zoom group, and that's how I met him. Uh, I will warn you, I there were some audio issues with this, and I didn't hear it while I was recording it, but I could see it. So you, I, I had to try to do some work to fix this. But anyway, the sound is not exactly what I want. There's some there's some sounds in the background. Uh, I did discover what the problem was after we were done, and I thought I could fix it, but I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I fixed it going forward. Turns out I had a, a, a bad cable, and we had just gotten back from uh, uh, from being somewhere and I, when I recorded with Fernando. So apologies, the sound is not the best. Uh, music by request this week, we have uh, Paganini and uh, Segovia. And mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, many of you are getting ready to go to the Texas Pipe Show this weekend. I hope you all have a great time. Uh, remember that raffle is going on for uh, that wonderful Ashton pipe set that uh, Steve Fallon donated. So check that out. Uh, also want to draw your attention to uh, what uh, what our friend and uh, former uh, hobbit of Jackson, Mississippi is doing. Uh, Bo York is launching a uh, it, it's he's doing a, it, it's an audio drama and it's a pirate based audio drama uh, full of adventure, mystery and intrigue. Um, it's it's called Eversail Volume One, The Pirate's Daughter. And you can find out information about it at www.findeversale.com. That's F-I-N-D-E-V-E-R-S-A-I-L.com. And I know for a fact there's pipe smoking involved in it. So it would be absolutely wonderful if every one of us in the community uh, gave a little support for what, uh, what my friend Bo York is doing. So, all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com. That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tidbits.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction site. 
This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and for pipe parts, all right, we're doing a bigger, uh, we're, we're getting caught up on all the mailbag stuff, so uh, before I do the refreshers, well, today is uh, election day here in the United States, so let's talk about legal stuff, and uh, Mark wrote uh, a couple weeks back, uh, sorry if this is ground that has been covered, but after catching up on your old FDA update shows and talking to other pipe smokers, I'm confused about new blends from manufacturers like Cornell and Deal. I recently had someone who claimed to have inside knowledge to tell me that because of the FDA rules, all new blends that come out are actually just rebranded old blends from the catalog of blends initially approved by the FDA. Is that true? Are blends like Palmetto reboots of blends we just haven't seen in a while or ever? Or for some, uh, for some of the manufacturers that have been around for a long time. What about things like Carolina Red Flake or Sun Bear, which change slightly year to year? Thank you, Mark. All right, Mark. Um, so what I'm about to say is not legal advice. It's uh, not um, actual law. It's my opinion, and I'm the leading expert on my own opinion. And here it is. Uh, in my opinion, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration here in the United States, which took over governance of tobacco back in 2009 and then expressed in 2015 that they were going to do that, or was it 2016, uh, that they were going to do that with uh, pipe tobacco and cigars. Uh, I think they came to a conclusion that uh, pipe tobacco and cigars are basically made up of different types of tobaccos and therefore, you know, not manipulated you know, like, like a cigarette is or like the e-cigarettes. There's no chemical formulations. There's no uh, heavy additives and preservatives and stuff like that. Uh, so what they did was they said, all right, uh, if your blend is a Virginia and a Perique for, you know, just like Carolina red flake with Perique, if it's a Virginia Perique and we understand that year to year, you may have to alter the crop because this is an agricultural product. Uh, if you have to alter the, or, you know, the, uh, the origin of the crop or alter the percentages, well, that's okay. Uh, they did the same thing with premium cigars where they said, all right, you know, so if it says vintage 1998, well, that doesn't mean that it's dead. That just means that that crop was, you know, that that was from that crop. And of course, you've got to modify it as you run out of that crop. So that's where they came up with the basic guidelines that I believe, and this is my opinion, and I've poked around a little bit to find out. Uh, I believe that the new blends that you're seeing that are coming out, uh, if you look at like the new Seattle Pipe Club launches, well, those are based on 
uh, you know, the, they're essentially the same kind of mix as a pre-existing blend was once before. It's just modified by country of origin and modified by quantity or the recipe. So therefore it's fine. Uh, so I, I hope that I hope you understand that, that, you know, that basically the FDA really just said, all right, pipe tobacco and cigars, you guys are fine. Keep doing your thing. Keep registering with us. But if you start putting a bunch of really heavy, weird flavors on stuff, you know, we're going to have to have a conversation or changing the pack size or don't come up with a cartoon character that's trying to sell it to kids. Uh, the other thing that happened over in Europe was Europe had to remove any descriptive flavorings from stuff. So that's why you no longer see Dunhill Light Flake or Peterson Light Flake. You can't use light, mild, mellow or smooth or any of those that might indicate safer. You can't use uh, cherry or root beer or chocolate or whatever. So you will see names have changed and then the flavorings had to be back down. So I hope, I hope that hope that clears that all up. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. Uh, and then, uh, James, the pipe rookie, uh, two quick questions, explain the parts of a pipe. So I think this is good for us to go through, uh, the bowl, uh, is the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the pipe is made up of two parts, wood and stem. The wood part is made up of the bowl at one end where you put the tobacco in. And then the shank is the part of wood that comes off the bowl that connects to the stem. Inside the shank is a very tiny draft hole. That's the little tiny hole that goes all the way into the tobacco chamber. The tobacco chamber is the area inside the bowl that is emptied and you know removed so that you have space to put tobacco in. Uh, and then there's the mortise hole, which is the area of the shank that the stem fits into and then on the stem itself there's a couple of key parts one is the tenon and the tenon is the part of the stem in most cases that goes into the mortise hole and then the button is the end of the stem and that's the part that goes into your mouth and all the way through that is a thing called a draft hole so those are basically the parts of a pipe for you uh, and then his other question is, are stems handmade or do pipe makers purchase them from manufacturers? Uh, both. And the more expensive the pipe, the more handmade the stem is. But you can buy preformed stems and then finish off the basic shaping. And I'll give you an example of that. In uh, When I was working for Brigham, uh, the bottom three uh, tiers of Brigham pipes, the lower three prices, those were preformed vulcanite stems that were then slightly finished off and shaped to fit that pipe. And then the top three were hand cut stems made from acrylic, but they were hand cut stems that were shaped specifically to that. So they came in as an acrylic rod. So those are the uh, two different ways that stems are done. Uh, in most cases, uh, most artisans are doing uh, hand completely handmade stems directly from scratch product. And then a lot of the factory pipes, especially in the lower price range, will use a preformed stem. So two different options. All right. Uh, hope that answered all those questions. And, and again, in just a moment, my, uh, my not so well recorded visit with, <laughs> with Fernando Santiago. This is internet radio. 
Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is a pipe collector tobacco collector enthusiast that i guess fernando really i got to know you through the saturday zoom group uh, but uh, please welcome to the pipes magazine radio show <laughs> i'm not going to call you another pretentious phd but uh fernando santiago welcome to the show thanks brian thanks for having me on it's very kind of you to, to offer me the invitation well everybody will find out why i did it shortly but first let's get to know you where are you from where did you grow up what did you want to be when you grew up have you grown up <laughs> still growing up still growing up um i i'm i'm puerto rican actually um and i grew up in florida and georgia and um and i thought i wanted to be a doctor a medical doctor when i when i grew up i've always been interested in biology and and nature and things like that. So that that sort of shaped my decision to to uh, to study biology ultimately and to become a molecular biologist, which is what I what I do for a living now. I work at the University of Minnesota in a, Minneapolis. A molecular biologist. So mm -hmm. that's that's like all them little tiny things that make up everything, right? Absolutely. I work with a bunch of invisible stuff and try to guess what it's doing. <laughs> And I guess the joke of why did the neutron not have to pay for his drink because there was no charge? I guess that's okay with you. Mm, yeah, that's okay, but it's a physics joke. So those are those are for real nerds. We're not real nerds. Damn. All right. Kind of a transition of moving of living in Florida and Georgia to moving up to Minnesota. Absolutely, but Minnesota is a very nice place. It has uh, seasons. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not unbearably hot like Florida is, at least South Florida for the most part. So it's a very nice place, very large cosmopolitan city. Um, my wife particularly enjoys that. She's from Sao Paulo in Brazil, wow. which is I think it was fourth largest city at one point yeah. um, in the world. So, you know, we enjoy sort of the big city life, which is, you know, not uh, not something you really find in Florida. So when you're in trouble, does your wife yell at you in, in Portuguese? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we talk in Portuguese, and our, and our six-year-old son, he talks back to us in English, but we, uh, we can't put any past him because he understands everything we say. So Portuguese, Spanish, English, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Either way, you're in trouble. Either way, I get yelled at. It doesn't matter. <laughs> even, even the little one yells at me. 
Uh, so when did when did pipe smoking come into your life because you've been smoking a pipe for a while now well so i um i began smoking cigars i think about 25 to 30 years ago it was just a thing i decided you know uh i had some sort of vague sense that cigars were part of my culture as a Hispanic male. So I, I thought, yeah, it was nice, something to get into. And I started smoking cigars. And, um, and I, I took a job in order to save up money to travel abroad and visit a girlfriend I had. I took a job at the Tinderbox in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. And so, yep. So I worked the humidor back in the, with Roland, who was this crazy guy wearing a zoot suit. And, uh, and I would hang out there with all of the guys at, at the Tinderbox and we would go uh, get drinks at the Ritz across the street after work. And, and that's where it all started. So I went from cigars to I think my first pipe was a, a, a red, a beet red Peterson Kildare <laughs> and a, a rectangular tin of Mac Barron's Navy Flake. And that burned the heck out of my tongue. And I think I, I took a, a little bit of a break on that and then uh and then picked it back up now was that the tinderbox in the uh in lennox square absolutely yeah yep. which yeah it was last i heard it was a jeweler uh jewelers yeah i mean that was a great high-end mall and a high-end tinderbox that had all top notch stuff and mm -hmm. yeah i mean everybody who I was anybody in atlanta would go and shop there yeah yeah, absolutely. It was a great shop. Celebrities would go in there. I met Lawrence Fishburne in there once, who's a lot shorter than he looks on screen. <laughs> but he didn't try to kill you, did he? No, no. Okay. All right, good. Good. So that first pipe, and then uh, I'm, I'm hoping you got some mentorship afterwards? No, I, I really didn't get any mentorship. I sort of existed... By myself, I didn't really have any interaction with any other pipe smokers. I wasn't really aware of any other pipe smokers outside of the shop. And I certainly didn't know that there was a pipe smoking community on the Internet. Um, and so what happened was that I moved to Santa Barbara, California for uh, a master's degree. Okay. And I picked up pipe smoking again. I decided that I, you know, I really wanted to get back into it. And the tobaccos that I had available to me then at that, at that time were fortunately McClellan's tobacco. <laughs> so that's, that, that's when I, you know, I got the good stuff and I took a really deep dive into it. And um, there, I, I searched on Craigslist to see if there were any other pipe smokers in the area that might want to meet up. And lo and behold, a friend of mine and a pipe collector that um, some some of the audience might be familiar with, Rob Denholz. Yeah, he's an he's an old pipe collector from uh, New York who retired and moved out to California. And he and I got together and we founded the Central Coast Pipe Club. And it was just us two for several months, maybe a year, and then some other members came on. Wow. Um, yeah, great times. A lot of good tobacco to be had back then. So how did your pipe collection start to grow? And then how did you... I'll let you tell everybody what you kind of focus on because mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, for some reason, I got it into my head that I, 
I really appreciated English pipes, pipes that, that looked to me to be quintessentially English or British. And that started with uh, a Ben Wade's paneled, uh, paneled billiard with a blast that I had. And I just thought I, I bought it off the internet. I thought, you know, this thing looks really British. Um, it's just very classy. And, and things sort of took off from there. I, I began collecting uh, Ben Wade pipes in earnest. I have a collection of hundreds of Ben Wade pipes uh, and have been researching their history, um, the history of the brand. Um, and, and I've just really since then been a fan uh, almost exclusively of British pipes. For some reason, I just have no interest in modern shapes, modern carvers, yeah. really does not does not excite me at all. Things sort of, you know, I, I I'd like to say maybe that I collect pipes uh, from England up until about the '60s when Danish influence started rearing its head and Sheraton pipes started sort of becoming very large to compete and things like that. That's when I sort of begin to lose interest. So you're you're kind of the antithesis of every other Puerto Rican immigrant who you're you're into the you're you're into pipes and old stuff and vintage and English stuff. I mean, you're... Mm. yeah, it's um, it's it, I guess it was interesting when I was younger, mm -hmm. and then it's uh, it's something that I sort of grew into, and now I'm old, and it's, maybe it's not that interesting anymore. You see a young person with a pipe, you think, oh, that's interesting, but no. So it's a it's an old guy's hobby that I that I aged into, I guess. Did you try any other, like the Italians or the Danish pipes or any of the American stuff? Did you, I mean, have you bought any and just said, nope, this isn't for me? I, I have uh, maybe a cup. I have an E. Andrews that I bought off a friend. I just, I think that I have, to answer your question in earnest, I haven't really given them a chance, I mm -hmm. think. Um, but of course there's that financial hurdle. I mean, you, you, I, I stop and I do the equation in my head. I think, do I really want to pay $300 for a modern carver when with that same amount of money I could get some real gems uh, in terms of old British pipes? It just, it's, it's a tough equation. It's difficult for me to overcome that. You know, when I think that I could get a very, a nice old Barling, for example, or an old Sassini, um, you know, it's, it's really difficult. But to answer your question, I have not given them a, a really a, an honest chance, I think. So it's just really you found what you liked and you have stuck in your in your lane or your wheelhouse and you are perfect. Mm -hmm. You're perfectly happy there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I ever do, you know, acquire a taste for modern carvers. um, you know, I, I hope I double my income somehow because I don't I don't know if I could afford to start a collection of them the way that they're priced. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Fernando. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, 
Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with a molecular biologist and an English, old English pipe collector, Fernando Santiago. All right. So I, th I think I figured it out on the break. Are you ready for this, Fernando? I think I figured you out. Ready, ready. You spend all day in a lab doing research and trying to find new things that when you get home at the end of the day, all you want to do is look at classic historical things. That might be. That might be. There is a, there is a sense of comfort, I think, that... Well, you know, I, I, I have to, I think, put it this way. Our, our mutual friend, George Debos, mm -hmm. said it best, I think. When he said that it's a time machine experience, what we're what we're paying for is a time machine experience. You're really transported back in time, and I think that, like you said, that does contrast with with uh, the high stress of work. You know, to be able to sort of slip into the past for a, for a while and enjoy that comfort and warmth. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, uh, quickly, if you can. Uh, just a brief history on Ben Wade. When did you know? When did the brand start? Who owned it, and and so on. So the the brand was begun by Benjamin Wade himself, and I think off the top of my head, it was either 1860 or 1865. Wow. Uh, yeah, and he um, he began uh, as a wholesaler. Uh, like a lot of other people did. He didn't sell to the public back when he first started. He was buying pipes like most people did and Meerschaums from Austria and pipes from France and, and branding them and selling them uh, wholesale. And it wasn't until a little bit later that he started to sell to the public. Unfortunately, he died at a very early age when he was 40 years old. So it's very unlikely that anybody... Uh, possesses an actual pipe that Ben Wade sold. Most of them, the vast majority, were sold by his grandson. Okay. Yes. Um, so when he passed away, uh, again, at an early age, his wife, actually, the widow, Wade, uh, sort of took, took hold of the reins until their children were old enough to sort of step in and continue the legacy. Uh, and then it was then their son, Philip Wade, who was sort of the, the last torchbearer there. He and his brother were uh, sort of running things and were uh, responsible to a great extent for their expansion overseas and, and their increased popularity. If you think about it, Ben Wade was really the most important pipe making house uh, outside of London, a small Leeds firm that, that competed with the best of them in London. And then when he passed away in 1964 or 1965, I think, the surviving brother and partner decided to sell the, uh, the brand to Herman Lane, which they did in 1965, if I'm not mistaken. And that's when we start to see the Ben Wades that were made in Denmark by Preben Holm and are bigger, you know, the more 
uh, the, the Danish freehand style. Absolutely. They start to look like bell bottoms. Yeah. Right? Very <laughs> 70s influence. Yeah. Now, do you Absolutely. do you collect any of the post, uh, any of the Sheraton era Ben Wades, or are you just, path, you know, the prior stuff? Uh, I do. Um, I do. I don't, the, my focus isn't on them, but they're, they are some very, very good pipes. Uh, Sheraton era Ben Wades and, and later sort of Dunhill uh, era. Yeah. Uh, they are, they're very, very good pipes. Um, they're, the brand is actually currently owned by Simon, who is the owner of My Smoke Shop uh, UK. So he's one of the big internet retailers. And he currently owns the Ben Wade brand and a few other brands. And, and they are actually, I think the bowls are turned by Bruken in Spain, who turned some of the, the lower grade uh, Peterson bowls as well. Okay. So you've actually, man, you have done some research. Yeah, I am trying to cobble together a guide for collectors. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing. I, I don't have my rhythm down yet, so I haven't actually gotten around to, to doing a lot of the, uh, the compilation. But I have a, a massive folder on my computer with lots and lots of really interesting material, tidbits, photographs. Uh, lots of material that Ben Wade collectors out there have not seen. Um, and I've also corresponded with all three of Ben Wade's great-grandchildren who uh, still live in uh, the UK. Are, is there a specific Ben Wade pipe that you're looking for that you need to have for your collection now that maybe somebody out there listening will say, hey, I have that. <laughs> Let me reach out to Fernando. Yeah. You know, there are some... Uh, there are some pipes out there, in particular some quaint shapes, and I know they exist uh, because I've seen them on Worth Point. Um, but just some of those, some of those bizarre, bizarrely shaped, quaint shapes. Um, other than that, there are a few odds and ends that are that are missing in the collection, but it's not anything really that stands out. Um, a lot of the pipes that are out there from the so-called Leeds era. They're the selected grain pipes, which are just phenomenal pipes. And then another one that's, that's very frequently come across is the, the Walnut, uh, the Walnut brand as well. Um, and then there are some other rarities and things that turn up. Um, and then real beauties, for example, are the, the old British wood, the ones with, uh, the silver hallmark mounts and amber stems, those are always a real joy to, to come across. And the silver hallmark makes it really easy to date the pipe. Absolutely. So I have enough of those that I was able to put together a sort of a dating key. Uh, uh, I pretty much have every uh, pipe from every other year that they were, for the period that they, will, they were hallmarked. I think the latest example is a Benway Chippendale that I have from, I might be mistaken, but maybe 1923 to 1928, which is around about when, when uh, silver mounts started to come out of fashion and, and kind of what we call the modern era was sort of ushered in. And a lot of really nice pipes were made until around about the 50s, maybe the late 50s. Do you know what, the, what's the, what is the oldest pipe in your collection? Um, the, it, that's difficult to say because, uh, the oldest pipes were, I have some that, 
that look very old, but they were not hallmarked with they were they were hallmarked with faux hallmarks. So they are not. I think maybe this this might have been before Ben Wade were were registered to to have hallmarks. So I have some really really old ones that have uh, the earliest logos, but it's impossible to date them because they just don't go. I you know, and it's to be honest, it's with some difficulty that you'll find a hallmarked uh, British pipe that goes back as early as 1865. That's that's yeah. pretty rare. I think there are some barlings that go back maybe to the 1880s, but as as early as 1860s, that's that's pretty tough to come across. Yeah. All right, and and again on the on the zooms on Saturday when the when the conversation turns to old tobaccos that nobody's ever heard of e- either you or fred hannah has one of those tins <laughs> yeah. yeah i like collecting old tobacco too it's uh you know they 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 made them really well back then what can i say i mean they they especially the british tobaccos uh using the empire leaf which is you know leaf that they imported from from south africa and from india as well it's just it's really well-made tobacco that has stood the test of time. So when you can come across a cutter top that, that hasn't failed, uh, it's, it's a real treat. It's like opening a bottle of champagne. I'm not going to ask you to reveal your sources for finding these tobaccos. Suffice it to say, you don't have superhuman powers. You don't have a, you know, you don't have bloodhounds that are searching around in basements for it. Uh, but what are, you know, I I guess I'm going to go to the oldest again. What's the oldest tobacco you've ever had? Well, I, so actually next to me, I have some, uh, some, I think I, I have several of these, the old Edgeworth extra high grade slice, the little blue tins. And some of those, I think they go back to the thirties. But they're they're obviously they're not cutter tops, so they're dry. But the burly in them is it's just amazing. Even bone dry, they uh, they just smoke amazing. Um, and with the exception of those, then I think that some of the cutter tops I have, I have uh, a nice cutter top of savories, which I if I had to hazard a guess, it's from the fifties. So most of the cutter tops, I think, maybe from from the mid '50s, but the absolute oldest that I, that's, that is smokable, I think, is those Edgeworth slices that just uh, they're just delicious. And you, the stuff you buy, this old stuff, you don't buy it just to collect and keep it. You buy it to smoke it, right? Absolutely, I buy it to smoke it. I have uh, I have a really wonderful old tin of. 1950s Dunhill Durbar, uh, and I'm waiting to get our uh, mutual friend Pete Rothenberg in uh, the next pipe show when I see him. And that tin is for my friend Pete, so we can open it together. That's going to be a real treat. Also, these those cutter tops aren't going to survive another 50 years, so they weren't. Uh, you know, I think their destiny was to be opened by us sitting at the <laughs> tables at the next pipe show. That that's what they were. Their destiny was so. You know, we will help fulfill that destiny. Uh, how do you how do you figure out what? Yeah, you know, I I'm I'm just imagining. I I don't I don't even want to ask how big your tobacco collection is right now because that doesn't matter. 
But how do you figure out, all right, this is the one I'm going to open up now, and this is the one I, you know, you're buying stuff that you have no idea what it's like, really. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, again, to, to use the champagne metaphor, I mean, it's really celebratory. Um, all of these things were meant to be shared. So I think that in the context of, of, you know, friendship and brotherhood, I think that next time we get together, that's, that's when we'll open them. Um, wow. you know, it doesn't make much sense to me to, to be sitting alone in my basement, cracking cutter tops open. It's, it's really something that was meant to be shared. Our, uh, our hobby, our lifestyle, pipe smoking, it's, it's something that, that the joy of it is really manifest in, in this brotherhood and sisterhood that we have uh, in sharing it and enjoying it in the company of our friends. So Wow, the, the macrobiologist getting philosophical. <laughs> or micro. Whichever macro, micro, all that, you know, you and your fancy scientific degree, you're getting all philosophical there. Right, exactly. A little bit of both. Yeah. Macro and macro. <laughs> Uh, are you also, are you waiting at, you know, on Saturday mornings for, uh, for the pipe studs, new listings to pop up and trying to jump on there? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I watch Steve Fallon's, uh, listings that, you know, uh, I, I used to be able to compete with the prices. I'm not going to lie, you know, maybe three years ago with the cutter tops, but, uh, you know, I've noticed that, uh, that with increase in demand, the prices have, have doubled and tripled so i you know I, I can't really compete with uh especially with international buyers for a cutter top that's a thousand a thousand two hundred dollars i wish i could but uh, you know but then again i i don't feel that bad because i i did start collecting when when these things were a little bit more affordable so you know i have a decent collection i i don't need <laughs> to buy them all so it's just that occasionally one does pop up that you know you really wish you had the the extra funds to get, but you know, that, maybe next time. And, I, and I'm just kind of wondering, I guess, do you have any other hobbies or anything else that you did? Did the collector bug bite you in any other area besides pipes and tobaccos? No. Um, you know, I have had other hobbies before, but, uh, in the, the past couple of years, Brian, I have really kicked it up a notch at work. And, and I have to say, I, I, I'm working like crazy. I'm giving it 110% at work. I'm giving it 110% here with my family, raising our son. So, you know, it's, it's really tough to, to even keep up with the, with, with the pipes, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I am, I am busy, yeah. busy, busy from the moment I open my eyes until I go to sleep exhausted at night. So, you know, it's it, pipe smoking is, is pipe smoking and collecting. That's, that's the one thing that I've sort of held on to. And then, you know, being a full-time dad and a full-time scientist is, has just really, you know, it's yeah. got all of me pretty much. Well, you're at that time in your life where you've got a young family and that yeah. occupies a lot of free time. And, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, are you yeah. doing research or teaching or both? I'm doing research uh, and doing a lot of research, and it's all very exciting. I've got uh, uh, several projects that I'm working on that I have come up with myself, and I'm just I'm having a blast. Uh, very very busy. We're hosting a meeting. Um, our department is <clears throat> next week, 
It's uh, the Alliance for Healthy Aging. And uh, it's going to bring scientists in our field from all over the world. And I am, you know, running like crazy, trying to put my data together and my graphs and everything like that so I can present a nice poster and a nice talk at that meeting. Are, are, we, uh, are we aspiring to a Nobel Prize? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, no, maybe Nobel Prize, that's taking it a little much, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe some prize. Well, hey, that, yeah, on my bucket list is meeting a Nobel a Nobel laureate. So do me a favor and make it easy on me. Go win the prize, and then I, <laughs> you know, then it's over, right? Exactly right. Then you've met one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how often do you get to smoke a pipe? Uh, I I want to um, at least once a day, at least. Uh, at least once a day. And I, I aim for, you know, two or three times a day. I think that there is, there's a, a cutoff. If you don't smoke enough, you don't um, detect the nuances in the smoke. So more of the mm -hmm. cigarette -y, ashy flavors come through. You have to really train your tongue and you have to smoke um you know, at least a couple of times a day, in my opinion, in order to be able to pick up the, the nuances from the, from the, uh, from the tobacco. So I notice if I have to take any sort of a pause or anything like that, I have to get back in there and start smoking again, or, you know, the, the, you just, you can't taste the nuances in the pipe tobacco. That's interesting. Cause that kind of ties into what I've said about if you're, if you're taste testing a blend, you really got to give it at least five, six, seven bowls and different size pipes and stuff. So that, Absolutely. So that you're, you know, so that you get really familiar with it. Absolutely. And, you know, smoking different pipes, different weather, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a magical combination. I mean, you can smoke literally the same tobacco in the same pipe and have a completely different experience for, yeah. you know, whatever reason. So we're always chasing that, that glory smoke. Yeah, that magic pipe and that magic bowl. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, do you smoke all your Ben Wades or some of them just for collecting and looking at? So some of them, um, some of them are not in a condition that I would smoke them. So a lot of them I purchased just for their historical value. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and some of them don't smoke all that well, <laughs> unfortunately. It's just, you know, it's a matter of the pipe and the construction. And then there are a lot of really delicate amber pipes that I just don't fidget with, you know, yeah. it's better to, yeah, don't want to break any of those. So, but I do smoke a lot of them. Um, most of them are very, very good smokers, very good briars, just real knobby, dark British briars, very classic, very good smokers. And I know you said you have all the, you know, you have the other British brands as well. So what's your total with the Ben Wades and everything? And, and keep in mind, your wife's not listening. Um, how how many pipes are in the collection? I, if I had to guess, I would say maybe five hundred. If it's just a guess, I mean, I, I moved recently and I had to pack up the collection, um, but I just don't remember the number. It's something that you know, it's it's <laughs> such a, it's too many pipes to keep in in my head. And then there's another box of pipes that I'm 
trying to sell and I keep pushing it off. And that's, that's in the basement, right? That's, that's where estate sales come from the forgotten box in the basement. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure if I had to guess maybe three to 500, maybe. You really don't want to know cause you don't want to admit it to yourself. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Don't yeah. want to admit the, the addiction. <laughs> oh, Fernan- not in public <laughs> Fernando will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready ready so what is your favorite pipe my favorite pipe uh, probably a Benway Chippendale and what is your favorite tobacco my favorite tobacco this my favorite tobacco these days has to be uh, some tobacco that I uh, shipped over from South Africa from Wesley's Tobacconist, and it's probably medium navy cut. It's just a wonderful uh, all African Virginia cut. It's I'd probably say it's the closest thing to the old school players navy cut that's being manufactured currently. Wow. All right. Um, what is the biologist's favorite thing to drink? Uh, I is not a very original answer, but I, I I really enjoy tea. So I have a collection, a very large collection of oolong teas mm-hmm. that I enjoy drinking. Uh, just a, a ton of variety there, and I you know I enjoy drinking tea, and it goes very well with the pipe. And. Tea is very similar to, to tobacco blends, where the more you drink of it, the more you understand that that tea blend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Yeah. So when it's time to relax, I like to research pipe and tobacco history. <laughs> so maybe maybe this the square peg and the round hole, maybe the answer would be books. Yeah. Yeah, it's not staring longingly into a microscope, is it? No, no. no, no. Although there, there are some exciting times to be had staring into a microscope. Absolutely. <laughs> and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? A favorite pipe smoking related memory. Um, I have to say uh, that at this moment, my favorite pipe smoking related memory is when my son. Maybe last year, uh, he went to my, well, this was the, the pipe room at the old house. And he decided that he wanted to grab my pipes and, and try to clean them. Oh, so no. He, you know, he wanted me to teach him how to put a pipe cleaner through the pipe. Oh. I got a couple of pictures of that. It was it's, it's just a really cute, endearing moment. Um, and he said it to me the other day, too. He's like, Dad, I want to clean one of your pipes. Which pipes are dirty? So, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so when he turns, uh, I guess now twenty-one. But uh, when he turns twenty-one, I guess he'll uh, may sit down and have a pipe with his dad. Well, I told him, you know, uh, this as soon as he's old enough, the collection can be his if he wants it. There you go. That'll be yeah. the best memory. So, absolutely. absolutely, Fernando. I'd like to tell people where to go to see your collection, but you know, too bad can't. Uh, if anybody, well, that's. That's actually not true. Oh. I keep an Instagram profile called Secret Society Pipe Club. And uh, a lot of my pipes, actually uh, 
most of my pipes and most of my tobacco are photographed there. It's Secret Society Pipe Club on Instagram. Well, there you go. See, now, and you didn't tell me all these years? Thanks. <laughs> well, it's a secret, Brian. Oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> Fernando, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. I know we've been, I've been thinking about having you on for, uh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years now, but this has been great. Well, I'm glad to be on, Brian. And uh, we'll see you again. If not next Saturday, then the one after. And we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And again, I apologize for the background noise on there, but got that fixed. Got rid of that cable, too. All right, for music. Uh, So Scott sends this to me. And it says, Brian, have really uh, have really been enjoying your podcast. Thank you. And episode 527 with Steve Fallon was just a treat, as well as the Segovia Concerto. Uh, in similar vein, consider Paganini's unpublished Adagio. And, well, many Adagios are great short pieces. Uh, and then he also says uh, Segovia does some wonderful Spanish guitar. Also just saying, loving what you do. Regards, Scott. So Scott sent me down a rabbit hole. So thank you very much for that rabbit hole. Uh, but that rabbit hole ended up with Segovia on guitar playing Paganini's Romanza, which is what you get to hear right now.
Well, all I can say is uh, bravo, and uh, thank you, Scott, for sending me down that rabbit hole. What's this? A letter for me. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or post on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Holiday music suggestions. Yeah, we're going to get the holiday music started next week because I've already got a few suggestions here. But if you have one you want to hear, well, shoot it on in to me. All right, getting caught up on some Instagram stuff and going back a couple weeks ago. Uh, Tim writes, hi, Brian. Just wanted to thank you for all you do with the Pipes Magazine podcast. My favorite episodes are listening to you and Fred Hanna talk about pipes. My pipe smoking has improved greatly by taking your advice of tamping a small mound with the ash. Uh, Fred also introduced me to Moretti Morta pipes. Keep up the great work, Tim. Thank you, Tim. We will. And uh, I'm sure Fred Fred will be okay with you buying the Morta pipes because those are not perfect straight grains. And also on Instagram, I got this message right after the pipe show from a certain Greg Pease, better known as GLPs. Uh, he said, uh, you guys did an incredible job on the show, really hit it out of the park. Maybe it's just because it was my first in three years, but I really believe it was the best pipe show I've been to. The energy, enthusiasm, organization, all 100% on point. Already looking forward to next year. So thank you, Greg. And coming from Greg, that means a lot because, uh, you know, at Greg's age, well, he's been to a lot of pipe shows. Yeah. All right. Uh, Pastor Jodo writes, uh, hey, Brian, personally, I'm really enjoying these tobacco you like episodes. This one in particular got a couple blends added to my wish list. And he's talking about uh, last week with Shane. Uh, he said, regarding Shane's hot take on pipe tobacco price, he ex- he's, is exactly right in that pipe tobacco is a mind-blowing value proposition. And if you stay in the factory or corncob world, you don't even have a lot of money wrapped up in pipes. The value of pipe smoking has actually been one of the major things that has brought some of my cigar smoking friends over to the pipe. Plus, it's way easier to justify to my wife. (laughs) Thanks for another great episode, Pastor Joda. You're welcome. And uh, staying on that tune, uh, (laughs) Umber Piper writes, $50. Uh, Dear Brian, in your post-Halloween show, Shane Ireland said he thought a 50-gram or 2-ounce tin of tobacco should go for $50, and you seem to have agreed with him. I'm a daily smoker on a low income, and if this price increase were to happen, my 15 to 20 bowl week would turn into 5 to 7. So thank you very much for that. I love your show, your dedication, and that you are keeping the Las Vegas International Pipe Show alive and kicking. And I'm always appreciative of what Shane does for the community. But if your wishes are granted, my lifelong pipe smoking journey would slow to a crawl. The thing that keeps me happy and sane would fade away and the stresses that I keep at bay would overtake my daily existence. Having listened to all of your podcasts from the beginning, this has to be the most painful thing I've heard yet. Regardless, I'm still a huge fan, Umber Piper. Uh, Let me just interject here. So I went back and triple listened to that part of the show again. And what Shane was emphasizing was the value proposition that current pipe tobaccos are. And while I did not disagree with him, because I really don't like disagreeing with people on their opinions and ideas, what I did justify was 
75 to $100 or 75 to $80 for a vintage can and how that works out to $7 a smoke. So, uh, no, I don't think we'll be seeing $50 tins here unless we all move to Australia right now. <laughs> and then moving on, uh, Bryant writes about last week's show. Hi, Brian. This week's episode was really interesting. It sounds like the Vegas show was tiring, but well worth it. Your interview with Shane Ireland was great. I've already confessed my love of the currently available tobacco selections, but Shane went above and beyond. No offense, but I hope the industry does not heed his advice and raise the price of tobacco exorbitantly. Although I confess you both made a valid argument in favor of it. I enjoyed his very positive take on Low Country's Edisto, as this has been in my rotation ever since I first encountered it. Uh, Kyle Erickson and his uh, uh, Pitch Black Manor were certainly appropriate for the Halloween season. It was a very interesting listen, to be sure. I like the heavy edge of it while still keeping it fun for the holiday. It is always exciting to hear what you come up with for the various holiday times. Keep up the good work. Best regards, Brian. Thank you. And uh, just a reminder, yeah, send in your uh, send in your ideas. And th this is a big mailbag because apparently that kind of sparked some interest. Um, let's see. Uh, Craig61A said, as I listened, I was thinking, hmm, what should I smoke tonight? 2004 C&D Bayou Night Nepal Winslow Viking when I get to that point. Uh, and then Rick Threewood said, enjoyed the show with Shane. He is right. His statement that pipe tobacco should be $50 a tin is controversial. I'm not sure the industry would survive that price hike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another Bob said, and I thought he was just their mascot, i.e. a guy in a suit. <laughs> um, Isaac said was a good push for C&D anyway. Uh, JM Smitty six says, great show again, Brian, thank you for recapping the show. And I was not able to attend due to welcoming a new Ms. JM Smitty into the world. Congratulations. Uh, however, it sounds like it was a resounding success. I find myself enjoying the tobacco now, uh, series with your guests immensely. Shane mentioned some great blends, both C and D and non C and D. Regarding his comments on cost, I've always thought that pipe tobacco represented a tremendous value to quality compared with cigars. In reference to the many C&D blends he mentioned, I believe that many of the small batch blends, if you are so inclined towards Red Virginias and Vapors, are top of the class and would make sense to mention even with his ties to the company. All the best to you and yours and can't wait for to go to LVIPS in 2023. Yeah, we've already started planning. Uh, and Renfield, I told you this was a big mailbag. Uh, Renfield says, I can't say I agree with Shane that pipe tobacco should be $50 a tin based on the prices of cigars. Premium cigars are more labor intensive to make and good wrapper leaf is quite expensive. The cigar boom brought booming prices to match. We in the pipe community haven't had to suffer that. Premium cigars are also marketed and seem to be priced as luxury items in a way that pipe tobaccos aren't and possibly can't be. I don't have uh, visibility on the relative margins of cigars and pipe tobacco, so I may be way off base. I heartily agree with Shane that premium pipe tobacco is an incredible value at current prices. We in the pipe community are truly fortunate. Another great show, th another great thought-provoking show, Renfield. Yeah. And then finally, 
from the two regulars from Dino. We have congratulations to you and Dave on the LVI pipe show. I appreciate it and enjoyed your recap and the thank you portion of your rave. Nicely done. Shane was a wonderful guest and the conversation about tobaccos was both informative and fascinating. He presented some really good reviews on what is available. Once again, giving the lie to the perceived paucity of good tobacco. What can I say about Pitch Black Manor's tune? Meh. It's just, it just isn't my bowl of smoke. Their clever YouTube videos for the earlier Monster Classics albums are, for me, uh, more interesting than the music. Otherwise, a very entertaining show. Thanks, Dino. And then we close it out with Casey Ghost, who says, You did an excellent job of recapping the show. I wish I could have gone, but what are you to do? I can hardly believe that uh, only 200 people came to the show. I would have judged it at at least 500 or more in attendance. Every picture I saw, the tables were all crowded with people. I thought you and Dave did a great job in organizing it. I'll interject here. Uh, it was 200 attendees and about 120 people, 130 people, 200 plus attendees and about 120 people that were working tables. So a total of around 330 humans walked in the room. Uh, and then uh, Casey Ghost goes on to say, I realize Shane's job requires him to hype the LaDisi products, but I thought he went a little overboard with it. While he stated that there is no shortage of good tobacco, you must admit it would be wonderful if Dunhill, Balkan Sobrani, Elephant and Castle, Bells, Three Nuns, and a myriad of others that made great tobacco were still doing it. It drives me crazy to see a brand sell to someone else and they change the blend for some goofy reason. The music of the portion left a lot to be desired. I realize that there isn't a ton of Halloween songs to choose from, but there's Monster Mash, Haunted House, Adam's Family, Ghostbusters, etc. to pick from. Yeah. Uh, not with a pipe smoking uh, link to it, though. Um, so there you go. All right. Yeah. Once again, Shane uh, kind of spiced things up. And what I do like about this series that I'm doing, I'm, and I'm working on one more person for it, and then we'll stop it, but everybody comes at it from their own perspective. And if Shane's perspective is C and D slanted, well, that's because he works right next door to them. So there you go. All right. Rant time coming up next. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike. And our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com.
As this show goes out tonight, well, we are wrapping up election season here in the United States, and all I can say is, oh, thank the maker. It's over, finally. All right, another another election season over, and no more phone calls, emails, and all that gibberish. But we are also entering into the holiday season, and I want to take this moment, especially as we've gone through this election season, this may be the most uh, normal holiday season that we've had in the past three years or so take this moment if you are feeling down or blue or if you're feeling like uh you need someone to talk to well reach out to somebody reach out to me reach out to one of your pipe smoking friends uh mental health is real and this year you know i don't want anybody feeling alone during the holidays so if you are feeling like you need somebody there's all kinds of people that you can reach out to here in the pipe smoking community we're all a family we're an international family you need somebody to talk to i'm available just reach out you know the holiday season can be rough and this might be the most uh normal one that we've had in a couple of years so it could be rougher for those that may not be around loved ones or have somebody nearby so just make sure reach out reach out to me reach out to a friend of yours don't let the holiday season go by while you're there alone. Don't let it get you down, all right? It's a new winter and a new season coming up, and we're all here for you. So with that being said, this show has gone way longer than I thought it would, but you know, a lot of mailbag, which I, I really do appreciate all the mailbag comments and all the emails and text messages and tweets or whatever. Uh, you know, all the Instagram and Facebook messages. I really do appreciate those. And I really feel responsible to make sure that they get mentioned on the show if appropriate. So thank you to all those. Uh, thank you very much to Fernando for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And bomba until next time. Happy trails to you. He's smiling Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. So if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while.